Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. back everybody into the halos heaven podcast episode number seven and it's a special episode because it's all about pitching we finally have the first domino of the angels offseason and it is one and only noah Syndergaard. he leaves the mets and goes to the angels for a one-year 21 million dollar deal he's coming off tommy john surgery back-to-back seasons of just tough injuries for the right-hander who's only 29 years old, but a lot of good things to pluck from this move. Noah Syndergaard is an angel. I think we have to bask in that glory. The angels actually jump on the horn, get a legit pitcher, and have somebody to match up with Shohei Otani in the starting rotation. Um, It's my pleasure to bring in Cole Bailey and David Goodkind into the podcast. I know Cole was all over this move very, very early in the mornings and then had a big article here on the Halos Heaven website. So Cole, I'm going to start with you. Noah Syndergaard's an angel. How are we feeling? I'm feeling, I guess the word is cautiously optimistic because I wrote about this on the site if you want to go look at it, but it essentially I said, I think it's a risk that they needed to take because this guy, when he's been healthy in his career has been without exaggeration, one of the best pitchers in baseball, like that run between 2015 and 2018, he was, like top five in ERA, top five in FIP, top five in strikeout to walk ratio. He was top 15 in wins above replacement, even with the lesser innings he had. So like this guy is dynamite when he's healthy. And obviously that's not a guarantee because we've seen the injury history recently. He did, obviously he only pitched two innings this year and he didn't pitch all of 2020, but it's a gamble for sure. But I think it's one that I, I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, New York Mets, he played there for six seasons, and these are some of his combined numbers through six seasons. He was 47 and 31. He averaged a 3.32 ERA, 718 innings with 777 strikeouts, only 166 walks, and a whip of 1.16. David, those numbers kind of are just kind of the quick glances on the page. Even though he's coming back from Tommy John surgery, can he replicate or maybe even get 80% of the Noah Syndergaard we're used to seeing with the Angels? It's, it's possible. Um, I don't know if it should be expected. I, I, honestly, I don't know what to expect with, with Noah Syndergaard. Coming back from Tommy John's probably a little bit easier these days than it was in the past. I mean, just look at Otani after all that time he missed, and then not, now he's probably going to win the MVP after, you know, dominating at, at, dominating at both the, you know, hitting and pitching. So, um it's definitely possible for him to replicate the numbers to get back even expand on those just because of how the science has moved forward so quickly these days but um you know to to predict it or expect it I I I wouldn't go that far um anything's possible that's pretty much where I can where I can leave it at with with Syndergaard you know both the good and the bad 
it's similar to what we talked about on the last podcast with Justin Verlander, where you obviously have the injury history, which makes it a little bit scary. But then when those guys are on, they're so dominant. So it's like there's a huge range of outcomes here, which makes it really hard to pin down what exactly he's going to be. But just the potential upside of this move is massive. There's yeah. also the possibility he gets hurt after one game and then doesn't pitch the rest of the season. So we really yeah, exactly. don't know what to expect. Yeah, absolutely. With the you know, we've talked about this consistently on this podcast. The Angels' luck over the past couple of years has been atrocious. We just can't yes. catch a break. And I agree that you know, yes, it's cautiously optimistic just because of his injury history and the Tommy John. Is this the first time the Angels have actually splashed on a legit starting pitcher? in recent years. Yes. So it's exciting to be about that. Now, all the media and a lot of people have talked about, this is a high risk, high reward situation. For me, I get the high reward part. Look, look at his numbers, look what he is capable of doing. And we hope he can replicate that for me on the high risk part. I'm kind of on the, on the side of it's kind of a minimal risk. And I say that because look at what the angels have had, the Trevor Cahill's of the world, the Matt. We have to, do we, I know, do we, we're, we're kind of past that, but we do have to kind of look back and say, look who we tried and it didn't work. So if Noah Syndergaard can even perform half of what he can do from his, his great seasons, 2016, 18, uh, 17 and 19, all those seasons before the injury, I'll take half of Noah Syndergaard because a half of Syndergaard is probably Quintana at his best three years running. I'm completely fine with the move. I think it, it really it starts to stabilize the Angels rotation. You have Otani at your one, two is Syndergaard, and right now three through six because the Angels have a six-man rotation is, I don't want to say in question, but we don't know what other moves could be coming up, and we'll get to that a little bit later, kind of some predictions and kind of thoughts on what can happen moving forward. Now, to kind of pinball on the Noah Syndergaard thing just for a moment, in the last podcast we were talking about maybe Justin Verlander, as that veteran presence coming to the Angels rotation. Yesterday, he signs a two-year, what could be up to $50 million deal with the Houston Astros. Now, with those two guys off the board, do we like Syndergaard over Verlander? Or how are, I'll start with you, Cole. Do you like Syndergaard over Verlander? Or would you have maybe thought the Angels should have went the opposite way in Verlander over Syndergaard? You could make the argument either way, honestly. For me, I think what leans me a little bit more towards Syndergaard is the age because it's easy to forget he's still only 29 years old. Like that's pretty young for a guy hitting the market that's had the type of success he has. So obviously him being as young as he is, that kind of bakes in like a little, maybe a little more upside, like, oh, maybe there's still something they can figure out. And obviously it's only a one-year deal, so... If he doesn't, then I get it. It's a lot of money for this year, but it's not like a really long-term commitment that could bite you if it turns out he's not that guy anymore. But I think it's close because I think Verlander would have been a good addition too, but the two-year or the player option on that kind of scares me a little. So if I had to pick, I'd probably say I prefer Syndergaard, but I think it's close either way. David, you know, take it away with this one. Do you think kind of along the lines of the same question, Syndergaard over Verlander or Verlander over Syndergaard? For the Angels, it's 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 an interesting case because Cole brought up all the points I pretty much agree with. I think Verlander probably would have been the safer pick. Yeah. But Syndergaard probably has the better upside. When it comes to the two contracts, no question. I think Syndergaard is the is is the way to go. Um, I'd be really surprised if Verlander doesn't take that player option next year. 
So that's a $50 million contract compared to, to Syndergaard's 21 mil. So, um, you know, if, if Syndergaard's really great, they can try to work on an extension during the season or talk to him in the off season. If he's bad, that's 21 off the books essentially. And you move on with, with Verlander, you know, he's also, he's, he's older, he's come back from injury. So, you know, if he has a rough year or, you know, gets hurt again, the Astros are on the hook next year for, for 25 mil. So that's, that's kind of a tough pill to swallow for them. I, so it's, it's interesting. It's, it's contract wise and the semantics of it all. I take Syndergaard. If you're going off of like the needs of the team, I, you know, I, I would lead in Verlander just because of the consistent success, I guess is, is yeah. the best way to put it, but it really is a, a, a really interesting question and one to ponder. And I mean, it's, it's all hypothetical at this point, but comparing the two is interesting because, because we heard that Syndergaard had an offer around the $25 million range. So now we know where the market is and, and the competition for these pitchers is going to get more insane. So I figure like these types of questions that we're getting about which pitcher would you rather have with uh, comparable situations or whatnot, that's going to get more prevalent as this offseason progresses. It's crazy to think because I think between the two, and this is just, you know, like you said, the point is moot at this point. The two guys have chosen their destinations and there is no switching at this point. But I think Noah Syndergaard maybe has a little bit more to prove than Verlander does because, yeah, because Verlander is a veteran. He's been in the league for a long time. Um, he's won his Cy Youngs. He, he's done his, his duties in Major League Baseball. And the biggest thing is he's kind of just getting paid at this point. And if he wins, he wins. If he doesn't, what's the skin off his nose at that point? Syndergaard. Right. With coming from the New York market, coming into the West Coast here in, in SoCal, he's got he's going to have the media look at him. We already see the media saying, you know, 48 hours ago, Syndergaard's great. He's one of the great New York pitchers, and we love him. And then, boom, he says, I'm going to the Angels. Those same people turn around and say, he's the worst pitcher ever. You're going to waste your money. It's funny how the media turns in that sense, but he likes to have fun. You know, you saw him on Twitter change his profile, calling himself Thor, talking about how he likes bass and reading. And like, he has like that fun jokester personality and he's not afraid to put it out there. So I feel Syndergaard's got more to prove in this scenario with the angels. And I think maybe that might help the angels in that sense to light a fire under whoever's on the team at that point. Right. Because the angels need to get back into playoff format here. Yeah. I think you started to make a good point there where he still hasn't, gotten that big long-term contract in his career that maybe his performance earlier in his career would warrant because like you said with Verlander's already he's already made his money like he's set but Syndergaard still needs to earn that like he hasn't done that I'm sure that's something he wants to do so I think he'll definitely have something to prove with the Angels which I think is an interesting situation because if he does feel that pressure we might get like the version maybe from earlier in his career yeah, I, I think it's great either way. And I think it shows Perry Manassian and the Angels front office is that they're, they're walking, they're talking the walk or walking the talk, however you want to say it. They said, we need pitching. They saw it in, you, you saw it in the draft by getting all those college pitchers. And now at the start of the offseason, pitching is the first thing to be done. And Manassian said they're not done. And to kind of piggyback off Syndergaard, who's in the starting rotation, let's kind of look at the Angels bullpen now, because this is the second topic. Big news that came out yesterday. Not super surprising, but we all hope for the best in this situation. Uh, Rysel Iglesias rejected the qualifying offer, which was one year, $18.4 million. So now there's two options for him. Angels work on an extension. He signs it. He's back. No skin of our nose. 
Option two, he goes somewhere else and the Angels get a compensation draft pick in return. If he rejected $18.4 million for a year, my guess is that he's probably going to want a, of course, at least probably three years. And does he probably want at least $20 million a year in that case? Who knows? Um, but David, what do you think? Grisel Iglesias, at the moment, free agent. A lot of teams are going to be looking at him. Does he come back to the Angels? And what kind of deal could he get if he does come back or even if he leaves? It's interesting. It's an interesting one because he will be the most sought after reliever in the market. So there could be um, some real price gouging on his camp, but I, I feel like the interest, the mutual interest with the angels uh, is, is, is real. It's not like overblown. I really think he liked being here. So um, my, my head still tells me he resigns for, for a multi-year deal, probably the three that you mentioned three-year deal uh, that makes the most sense to me. Um, probably, probably like 20 to 23, I think per year, I think that's fair evaluation. I, 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 I really do think he resigns. I think the extension is coming. Um, however, I would not be surprised if he leaves. There are going to be desperate teams out there looking for his services. And I could see a really crazy contract be, you know, thrown his way that the angels just can't feasibly match from a team that's really desperate for some relief pitching. And I know the angels are one of those teams. And so um, that contract could come from the angels, but um, you know, rejecting the qualifying offer probably, you know, was the best move for both teams and that the angels, if they do lose him, can get that pick back that draft pick they lost by, by signing Syndergaard, which I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's a second round pick and the angels need to win now. And so that pick is kind of, it's kind of meaningless when it's all said and done. Um, I know that's, Going back to the Syndergaard thing, people are talking about the risk reward that was thrown into the risk. I'm, I'm kind of like, whatever. If the, if the Angels don't win this year, you're, you're risking losing Otani and pissing off Trout. So it's, um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts for this year. And we have to focus on this year. And that's why I think signing Iglesias should be the top of the list at the moment, because, you know, he's such a lockdown uh, guy at, at, at the end of that bullpen. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to get paid for sure. Uh, I think a three-year deal is is fair. I know I've been seeing four years thrown around. Um, that wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, I definitely believe it's going to be above that qualifying offer of eighteen point four. Somewhere in the mid mid low to mid twenties seems fair, but I would not be surprised if we start getting into you know twenty five, twenty eight. Uh, he's he was that good this year. Yeah, that market is. You know, I would say probably the back end of the bullpen, the closing market is, it's very narrow, very small. After Rysel Iglesias, the only pitchers that I saw in the free agent market that could be potential fits for the Angels if uh, if Rysel leaves or for other teams that if we keep Rysel, they'd have to look after. It's pretty much after Iglesias, Kenley Jansen, Kendall Graveman, Kirby Yates, and Mark Melanson. Those are the four biggest names in the closer market after Rysel. So Cole... What's your take on Rysel? And if he leaves out of those four names that I just mentioned, Jansen, Graveman, Yates, and Melanson, who could be a potential fit for the Angels? Like he was always going to decline the qualifying offer, I think, just because he, the market for a multi-year deal is there. The, the real benchmark to watch for is the Liam Hendricks contract from last offseason, which I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. I believe it was three years, $54 million for him. 
So he got he rejected the qualifying offer as well, I think, and then he got three years fifty four at eighteen million per. I think they're pretty comparable. Liam Hendricks's walk year was probably a little better than Rysel's, as crazy as that sounds, because he was just unreal in in uh, right. twenty twenty. Yeah, but Rysel does have a longer track record than Liam Hendricks had of success, which I think works in his favor. And they're both around a similar age. Like uh, Hendricks was. 31 when he signed that deal and i think rysel is about the same like he is the same he's like 31 32 so i think they have a lot in common so i think that's where i'd look to see what he gets i don't i don't agree that he gets up in the 20s just because that's pretty unprecedented for a reliever but i think the liam hendrix deal is really the one to watch logically yeah that's that's the the benchmark um my only concern is I, I really do believe the market for the pitching is about to get really insane and illogical yeah. to an extent, but realistically, yeah, the, the Liam Hendricks deal, that's pretty much what the, the replication of, of rice deal should look like essentially. Yeah. If we're yeah. on, if we're on this trend, you know, with the illogical numbers that are going out, you could be seeing some relievers at some point, if it's not this year, maybe in the future, getting like, what outfielders get five years, 120, or, you know, we're getting to that illogical point of money where money just grows on trees for these teams. Now. I mean, just look, just look at Noah Syndergaard. He's making $21 million. He pitched two, two innings in the last two years. So yeah. who really yeah. knows where the cap is these days? Yeah. Obviously there could be a bidding war that gets that right higher than maybe what we think it will be. As far as the angels are concerned, like you obviously love to have him back because he was just absolutely dynamite at the end of the bullpen. So if you're like, you asked about all the other options, keeping Rysel is obviously the one I prefer above all of them past that. I think if he does, unfortunately, I think Melanson's probably the one that I'd be looking at because there's the Perry Manazzi connection from in Atlanta. If you bring him in, it'll be obviously for a lot cheaper than what Rysel is. It leaves you a little more room to either fill out the, the back end of the bullpen or maybe the starting rotation. So I think that's where I would look for them to go. If you ask me what I'd prefer, I'd probably say Jansen, just because I did like a lot of the changes that he made last year. He moved away from being just like cutters every single pitch to where he added a, another fastball and he started throwing his off-speed pitches more. So I think keeping Rysel needs to be their next point of action because he's talked about how much he liked playing in Anaheim. So that's a leg up. So he likes it here and he was obviously really good. Like there's no reason for them not to try to at least get that done. I think you, you got the point just right. Cause it kind of leads into the next topic here is what is next for the angels? Cause we, we get Cindergaard, the one domino falls, the domino of Rysel, you know, not taking the qualifying offer was kind of a half a domino in that sense. So we're still kind of waiting where he decides to go starters and relievers. We know we need pitching. We got one down. As of right now, this is how the Angels rotation, and I'm going to start on the starting pitching market first. If opening day was tomorrow, Otani's your one, Cindergaard's your two, and then probably after that in a six-man rotation, it's Sandoval, Suarez, um, Detmers, Berea, and maybe Canning gets in there somehow if he's healthy enough coming back from injury. My thinking is after the $21 million going to Cindergaard, do the Angels go big time and go after Scherzer and go crazy? Or do they kind of go middle of the road, good middle of the road pitchers, and focus on the back end of the bullpen and get strong back end of the bullpen? My thinking is, I don't think the Angels need Scherzer, like that level of pitcher. I think if you can go out 
and get somewhat of a middle-of-the-road starter, and I would consider middle-of-the-road, maybe tier two, to be the Marcus Stroman, Anthony DiScalfani, Danny Duffy, Alex Wood, players like that that could get the three spot and then save a little money, get a hometown discount possibly, and bring back Alex Cobb as your fourth starter. Then you only have to fill two spots in the starting rotation to complete the six, and the Angels have options there. And then you can spend money in the bullpen for guys like Andrew Chafin, Michael Lorenzen, Yasmero Petit, Corey Knable from the uh, Dodgers. There's options here if you don't go crazy and say, let's give three, $400 million to Max Scherzer in this case. That's just my thinking. What do you guys think about, and, and David, I'll start with you, maybe not going after Scherzer and going maybe two starters middle of the road to kind of round out the rotation before addressing the bullpen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, personally, like if they got Scherzer and they cornered all that money, fine. I mean, you have that 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 certified ace that they've been missing for a long time, and there's no. I mean, I'm not going to knock that or anything, you know, anything like that. But you know, you know me, I love Stroman. Uh, hearing his name tossed around makes me happy. Um, so I, I'd be happy with an acquisition like that, especially if it affords you the opportunity to go out and get more guys. Like I've been talking about this whole podcast, though, I think his market's going to go up uh, just that consistency he brings. So he that creates kind of an interesting dynamic and how much he's going to get on his deal. Similar with other pitchers, um, Gossman's kind of like that for me. You know, the the lot, you know, he's kind of emerged lately. So the consistency isn't as there's Stroman. So the numbers being thrown around, I don't think it's going to be as simple, even if they, um, don't go and get Scherzer, but I wouldn't mind it. I think the big thing to watch here is the trade market. I think um, some of the guys you listed may not be in, in the Angels franchise this next season. I think they could be dangled, like a Suarez could be used to maybe pry someone away and fill the rotations. So the crazy thing about this offseason, there's so many options. It's kind of hard to kind of put your finger down which way Manassian's going to go with this because obviously, like you said, he is looking to still upgrade. Um, but how he's, how he's going to go about that, we really don't know because the, the free agent market is there. But all of a sudden, all these teams are starting to kind of break it down and are willing to give away, you know, guys like Sonny Gray, I think is a name to watch. Yeah, to go back to your initial question, though, I wouldn't mind quantity over quality, essentially. But I, I also don't feel like it's a huge quality dip to go for some of the guys you listed either so I'd be happy with with that kind of move and using the remainder of the money to fill out the bullpen which I know they've been talking about as as a a big priority as well you know it's really tough because we were talking about this before we started the podcast the angels are about with the Syndergaard deal about 30 to 35 million dollars on their payroll away from matching 2021's payroll which is 182 million now do the Angels want to surpass 182 million and maybe get closer to 200 million to get quality guys? I think they'd be open to that. You know, we've heard numerous times Artie Moreno's opened the pocketbook 
we'll sign what we need in order to get the job done. So I don't know if money is completely a factor here where we're strapped for cash, but could you see the Angels going that route of maybe two tier two-ish pitchers instead of one tier one pitcher and then addressing more of the bullpen on the back end of things? I think there's a lot of different ways that it could go, as David was mentioning earlier. And I think a lot of it depends going back what happens with the Rysel situation, honestly. Let's say they reach an agreement with him. Let's say it's for just a little bit below Hendricks. Let's say 348, 16 million a year. That would leave them with around 15 million or so until they reach where they were last year, if my dirty math is correct. (laughs) So at 16 million left, you're probably not going to be able to be players for like Stroman or Ray or Gossman if you're intent on staying around where you were last year. So in that situation, maybe you look into, like you said, the tier below, maybe Alex Wood or like a Steven Matz or Anthony DiSclefani for that spot. And then you maybe look to trade for someone. Whereas if Rysel does leave and you bring in someone like Melanson, who's going to be a lot under 16 million, maybe that does make you players in the Stroman, Ray or Gossman tier to where you're, Instead of 16 million away, maybe you're 25. So maybe you can jump in one of those guys. So it, there's a lot of different spots that they could go. And I think either one's possible. But like I said, it depends on what happens with Rysel. No matter what, I think the trade market should be somewhere that they do look because I think there's a lot of guys out there that are really good that are also not very expensive right now. I think the two of my favorites are Sonny Gray and Chris Bassett of the A's. Trading for someone's not as easy as signing someone because you can't just throw a stack of money at them. You have to outbid other teams on the market. But I think the trade market is somewhere that they're going to have to look. And I think a lot of what they do on the free agent side depends on what happens with Rysel. Yeah, and the Oakland A's are somewhat a interesting story. You know, they lose their manager, Bob Melvin. He goes to San Diego to be the new manager of the Padres. And their window is drastically closing overnight. Yeah, all the rumors are saying that they're open for business, essentially, with all their big money guys. Yeah, the rumors, Matt Olson could be a Yankee, Matt Chapman could be on the move, Chris Bassett, Sean Manaya. You know, I always find it funny that if you do need to pull off a trade, it's always tougher with the teams within your division because you don't want, you know, the Angels, and and there is no rumors to this, this is just me spitting out names. Let's say Angels go after Chris Bassett and get Chris Bassett and the package is something of, you know, Suarez, Detmers, and another minor leaguer. I don't know if the Angels... Maybe like Jordan Adams. Maybe like Jordan, yeah, someone who's a top 10 prospect in those ranges. But I don't know if the Angels want to see those guys, you know, 16 to 20 times a year and and Detmers throws three consecutive seven-inning shutouts and they're saying, well, what the heck is this? So interdivision trades are always fascinating to me. But Oakland could... I think they are open for business. It's going to be interesting to see. And that's a completely different sub-point of everything going on here in the off season, but the trade market, I agree is tough. And Manassian has proven it before in his days in Atlanta and his days in Toronto, when they've had to shake things up and, you know, make moves, you know, for us, it's easier to talk about free agents because, okay, just grab them and go. The trades are a little more methodical and money wise. Now, if the angels sticking on the free agent market for a minute, let's say the angels, and this is a worst case scenario, this is probably things that have happened in the past. Let's say the Angels get a little strapped for cash a little bit because they go big money on a a player or two. I was looking at free agent market pitchers, 
that were probably more older, end of their career, 35 plus years old. Somebody you can maybe sign to a year, maybe a two if you're feeling super generous. These are the three players that I had in mind. Two of them are former Joe Madden players. And I just want to get your take for the veteran aspect. Corey Kluber, John Lester, Jake Arietta. They've all had down years recently. But last mentioned, Lester and Arietta were former players on the Cubs with Joe Madden. In a worst case, or maybe not worst case scenario, but in a desperate situation, would you take a flyer on just one of those three players, Cole? Would you? I think the only one out of those would be Kluber. Like, right. I unfortunately, yeah. I think Arietta is like Passes. maybe not done, but <laughs> done. Yeah, and he's I think, sliding down that hill. <laughs> yeah, he just did not look very good last year, and I think Lester, Lester was fine. If they do something like else really big, I think I could maybe be talked into that, but I still wouldn't prefer it. But I think Kluber is an interesting one because he did like he did show he had some left in the tank last year with the Yankees. It was just he was hurt for so long that we didn't really get to see it for that long. So if you're asking me between those guys, I think Kluber would be interesting. I agree 100%. You know, I, I it'd be Kluber, but I preferred you know going back and get old friends like Cobb instead if we're, if we're trying to be a little bit cheaper. Yeah, I think if we're looking at strictly mid-rotation guys, like I think if they say, okay, Otani and Syndergaard are the pairing at the top that we're going to rely on as the aces and we just want mid-rotation guys, I think there are others that I would prefer. Like bringing Alex Cobb back, for example, he talked about right. how much he liked to hear. I think like I probably prefer like an Alex Wood, who I think is very underrated. He had a very quietly good year in San Francisco. So obviously we don't know what the money is going to be on him. He's probably going to make more than the guys you mentioned, Dominic. But yeah, I think that's that's more the way I would prefer if they do try to go after the mid-rotation guys. Yeah, because I know Joe Mann loves finding old friends again. You know, yes. he did that with Alex <laughs> Cobb from his days in Tampa and, you know, um, a couple other players on the roster this season. But Joe Mann, just familiarity works for him. And then sometimes it works example Alex Cobb and sometimes it doesn't Jose Quintana like there's just situations so you know that would maybe be a last ditch effort maybe near the end of the offseason and the Angels need a pitcher to fill in if somebody gets hurt you know knock on wood hopefully bad luck does not reach our side but just kind of something interesting to think about now with so much pitching talks and this podcast episode is not even going to touch on the offensive things right now except as we record this we're about an hour hour and a half away from possibly hashtag Otani coronation day from being MVP quick rapid fire takes here who, and we'll take out Rysel Iglesias for the minute. Cause we, I think we all agree that should be the next move for the angels just to get that locked in and kind of set your tone on the backside of the bullpen. Yep. Each of you, Cole, I'll start with you after Iglesias, what is the next angel signing? And do you have some sort of year and money tied to this one person? Any ideas? Uh, is this a prediction or what I'd prefer? Let's go with prediction. Prediction? Okay. Yeah. So you, let's get crazy. Assuming that they sign that they sign Iglesias, like you said, I think if I had to predict, I might say Steven Matz from the Blue Jays. I think there was the report that they met with his representatives at the GM meetings uh, last week. So there's obviously that connection. I think he kind of fits the mold of like the the mid-rotation starter they might think of. He's not anything special, but I think he is going to give you quality innings and a lot of quality innings. I think that's a big part of it as well. Like 
So there's a question, so you might want more certainty in the rotation. And I'm pretty certain that Matt's can give you a lot of innings. So I think, I think that would be maybe the next move in that case that I predict as far as years, maybe like a two to three year deal, I think, because he's only 30 years old and he hasn't really had the opportunity to get a, a lengthy contract yet. So I'd probably say like maybe two to three years and like the 10 to 12 million would okay. be my guess. All right. Matt's is your answer. Okay. I like it. I could see him going, as I talked about a lot, middle of relief tier two type guys. All right, David rapid fire. Who do you think is the next? And so we're talking free agency or just re- next move. Uh, you know what? Surprise me, whatever you like. Javi <laughs> Bias, hobby bias, 10 years, 300 million. No, I'm just okay. kidding. Um, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say a trade. Um, I'm, Let's just ride the sunny gray train. They're going to dangle some good prospects at at, at, the, at the Reds, and they're going to get it done. Yeah, let's say sunny gray. Sunny yeah, gray. That's, an, that's an interesting one to me because the report is that the Reds do want to cut payroll this offseason, but there is also a report that they don't want Luis Castillo to be one of the ones they do it for. So I think if that's the case, then gray would be the one to look for, and I think he would absolutely fit behind Otani and Syndergaard. Yeah, and back in the day, I think when Gray, I forget if it was when he went to Cincinnati or the uh, whenever he left Oakland, I think the Angels were always kind of looking into him and kind of figuring out should we sign him, should we not, and then he ended up going to the Yankees, and you know he's made I a couple of stops remember, in between. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I think if I remember, they were at least interested when he was going from New York to Cincinnati, when New York was kind of just done with him and he was like a buy low candidate. I think they were interested then. Yeah, so Sonny Gray, interesting. Okay, so two pitchers for me. In actuality, I have no idea what the Angels are going to do next. I, <laughs> I, I didn't see, I didn't see the Syndergaard move happening. So no, yeah, absolutely I've not. Blindsided. I've been blindsided so far. I wouldn't be surprised to see a really left field move come next. Anyway. Yeah, please trust me. You think any if 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 after I announce kind of what I think the next move should be, if any of our choices is actually the next move we're road tripping to Vegas and we're going to bet on some stuff because this is going to be wild at this point. Um, for me, I think after Rysel, I think the angels are oddly enough because we're approaching that I'm taking real life current events into effect here. We're approaching that December 1st deadline of the collective bargaining agreement. Mm-hmm. I think somehow, some way, if that deal doesn't get done last week of November, right? Maybe, I don't know if it's at the 11th hour, but pretty close the Angels squeak in and get a pretty decent re- middle relief or some, somebody to match with Rysel in the bullpen. I'm torn between four guys, and I mentioned them earlier, but I'm going to choose one right now. Because of the loss of, like, Claudio, Tony Watson, the left-handed relievers, and I've, I've kind of gone back and forth in my mind, should Packy Naughton maybe be a bullpen guy? Maybe he needs more experience at AAA. I'm down to go give lefty Andrew Chafin a deal. He I rocked really with like the Cubs. Yep. He, sh- he shoved against the Angels when he was with the Oakland A's for that short period of time in the second after the trade deadline last year. The hair game's great. Stash game, great. Like, him and Brandon Marsh can open a barbershop at some point. <sighs> Something about Chafin and along the lines of, like, a three-year, two- or three-year deal with kind of – same thing like Matt's 12 to 14 million, because I feel he is on the top side of that relief market. 
and I'd have to check. I don't know if Chafin was on the Cubs when Joe Madden was still there in 2019. If no, was, his first year was 2020. His first year was okay. Cause I was going to say yeah. without looking at that, if that happened to be a case of Joe Madden bringing back friends, well, then this whole conversation comes full circle, but unfortunately, it's I'm not. sure he could get in David Ross's year about that though. Yeah, exactly. Dude. So, so much, so much for good podcasting here, bringing something full circle, but either way, <laughs> Andrew Chafin, two to three year deal. 30 32 million if it's a three-year deal and two for 24 to 28 if it's a two-year deal i'm down for andrew chafin yeah uh, i really I, like I mean, that I, one yeah. as well yeah i think it is we we haven't really talked about it behind beyond rysel but i think the bullpen still is a pretty big need because there's yeah, not many guys there's not many guys that you can rely on back there right now you obviously have austin warren who is really good you had jose quijada look pretty good you had maybe like Wentz or Herget, you bring back Myers, like you can maybe fill out a back end with those guys, but I think there's still a need to need for a bridge to Rysel. And I think Chapin would be a really good option. You guys mentioned it earlier and, and I've always been a fan of his fan of his ever since he, he left the angels was Yusmero Petit. Yeah. Uh, He's just shoved wherever he goes. Yeah. Petit was on my list too. The four names I had, like I said earlier, was Chafin, Petit, Corey Knable and Michael Lorenzen, who's a nice little middle relief guy from Cincinnati. So yeah, I think any of those guys could work as like the eighth inning guy if you wanted them to, especially like Chapin or Knable are the ones that would stand out to me. Like you, you have Rysel in the ninth. If you bring him back, you have one of those two in the eighth and then like Austin Warren and Mike Myers for the seventh. I think that's a, that's a solid enough group back there to where, Hopefully we wouldn't be pulling our hair out every single time the starter leaves the game. Yeah. And Hey, and Hey, Michael Lorenzen, when he was with Cincinnati, you know how Joe Madden, even though he's in the AL, he kind of plays by NL rules as if, you know, the pitchers are not, or if the pitchers are still batting next season, if we don't have the universal DH, that'd be quite hilarious. If Otani pitches and ends up getting like pulled from a game, Michael Lorenzen comes in and like gets like a pinch hit three run home run in like the eighth inning and it's like a win. Um, Michael Lorenzen's got some pop in the bat, so he could be another two way star that the Angels could have in the making. Syndergaard does too. Syndergaard, yeah. absolutely is a, a good hitting yeah. pitcher. I think I saw a, I saw a tweet when that signing happened that said the only, I think two of the three guys to ever no it was only two actually it was Otani and Syndergaard are the only ones to throw a ball a hundred and hit a ball a hundred in the same game. So maybe you get those two and then Lorenzen for the uh, the pitcher hitting. You corner the market on that. Oh, God. With that, okay, uh, do I want to switch my pick now to Michael Lorenzen for the same deal as Chafin? And you just totally, like, pull that out. And, and you know, sidebar for, for, for David and I in this situation, Michael Lorenzen, former uh, Cal State Fullerton alum, yes. um, you know, bringing some Orange County back into Angel Stadium. You know, that could be a nice little selling point, too. I don't know how much ties he has to California still, but Hey, you never know in that case. <laughs> it's also I, what Phil Nevin's been talked about as a, as a bench coach, right? So yeah, the oh, angels yeah. have some coaching needs as well. You know, Cal State Fullerton. Cal State Fullerton that, Hey, that could be a whole, man, I think we could have a whole conversation. Then if, you know, the angels need a backup catcher, bring back Kurt Suzuki for a second time. I don't know. These are, these are all options here in the offseason. It'd be for fun for you guys. Yeah, yeah I, need to, I need to scour the market for any ASU grads out there for me. But. Okay, so on the next, so potentially on the next podcast, um, we're only going to bring free agents that are from Cal State Fullerton and Arizona State. It's going to be a very short podcast, less than 10 very minutes. Very short. It'll be great. Bring back Cole Calhoun, baby. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, 
there's so much to get into. You know, it's great to have Noah Syndergaard on the Angels. Um, one year, $21 million, a great splash for the Halos. Hopefully health is on his side with the best ability availability. Um, eat those innings and get that fastball velocity 97 plus to join Shohei Otani. But, you know, until next time, Halos Heaven fans, enjoy the offseason. Noah Syndergaard's an angel. Rysela Iglesias will hopefully soon be an angel as well. And you make your predictions on who could be an angel or future angel as well. But until next time, we have more content for you with the uh, 2021 angel player reviews, more offseason talk. I know we're getting ready to do our GM talk soon enough. Yeah, what they would jumped we... the market on us, though. We jumped the already market. Got, already got one of the moves out of the way. You know, what would happen if Dominic was the GM? What would happen if Cole or David or Ariana or Taylor? You're going to find that out. It's going to be some wild and wacky. We're going to we're going to have to go back to our math days and start plugging in some payroll numbers and uh, figure out what can happen. But we got that on tap for you. We promise, we promise we'll do a fan mailbag soon. Just so much. We keep pushing it off. We keep pushing off. We love the fans, but with all the emergency new news, breaking news happening, we just got to get on and talk about it. So we'll do the mailbag soon. We got some more player interviews as well coming up. So keep tuning in to Halo's heaven on Facebook and Twitter for all the Halo's heaven off season coverage. So, I'm Dominic Lorenz, that's Cole Bailey, and David Goodkind. Until next time, we'll see you on the Halo 7 Podcast.